0: Welcome to Fashion Futurist Podcast. It's your host, Camila Sanders, and we're connecting with industry experts and individuals on the front lines to gain viable resources for your fashion journey. Together, we're working to take back fashion, shift power, shift economics, shift paradigms, and create a new sustainable, ethical fashion system. Take a listen and let's accelerate fashion forward. You did mention a lot of different things, you know, being in nature, doing yoga, meditating. Like we talked about earlier, you are a multi-hyphenate. Most people are. There's a lot of different projects and things you have your hands in. How do you find balance between doing all these things and being very passionate about the work that you do and also practicing just self-connection. Like how do you make time and found, find balance for all of that? That is a great
1: question. <laughs> I like the answer. Deeply no. meditating on, you know, like a true Jamaican, I have like three jobs. You know, I run this fund. I facilitate a working group to create legal protections for climate refugees from Latin America and the Caribbean. They're the largest number of refugees are climate refugees many of whom are farmers who can no longer farm in the places that they live brown and black folks i'm a strategic consultant at Fibershed. um so i i do many things because i believe my work professionally is my life's work and i'm recognizing that that is not actually sustainable because what it means is i'm constantly working like i don't I sometimes say I don't sleep, I dream because I'm always dreaming up of new ideas. How can we do this? How can we do it this way? And so I don't feel like I'm getting the right, the type of rest that I actually need because I'm doing so much. And while I try my best to practice um, envisioning a world without capitalism, we're embedded into it. And so even though my work is my life's work, that's not an excuse to be working all the time. And so I'm actually in a place in my life right now where I'm needing to create an intervention for myself to figure out how I can get back to being balanced and still do the work that I feel like my heart, soul, and mind calls me to do. What I will say is there's certain things that just to be grounded and to be a sane person in this world, I always do. For example, I have a morning ritual. It's anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes not a day goes by where I don't do that. It's just there's not a day, right? So there's no way that I could not do my morning ritual, which includes like practicing a language, doing meditation, five minutes of yoga, stretching, sometimes journaling. I have to do some combination of those things to even just be able to start my day. So I have a really strong morning ritual practice. And yet, I still am not balanced in other ways. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. I'm trying to make some changes in the way that I work, um, the way that I see my exchange of ideas for money uh, in my life. And again, how much money is enough and how much money is enough if considering that my well-being is the one thing that I have to protect because especially as a Black woman in America, the only person who's going to protect your well-being and advocate for you is you um, and maybe other Black women. And so I'm in a space where I'm realizing that I'm not actually protecting my well-being. And because I'm doing work that I feel like is impactful and justice-oriented, I have separated my own embodiment from that. And I'm like, oh, real justice work has to start with me so that I am modeling it as I am doing it with and for others. So yeah, I'm trying to figure that out right now. And I have a vacation planned for December 16th and I've decided I'm actually going to take a month off. Um, and just like be on vacation, meditate, be with my family, sleep. And try to figure out how to not be this way in 2024 because I can't be a sustainability advocate and not feel like my life is sustainable.
0: Yeah, well, I think it goes back to being intentional because you just said you're you're going to take a vacation. And, and just like even just being aware that, okay, I'm not exactly in balance because I think people, we get so passionate about the things that we're doing and so into it that we could just work all the time mm-hmm. and then you step mm-hmm. back and you realize oh i'm out of balance and i don't think it's a i don't think it's a perfect journey like you have of course you know i think it's very strong what you said about having a habit having a morning ritual something that you do that you have to do all the time that's very powerful but it is also like an ebb and flow like sometimes you get so into it and you start working so much and then you got to step back and say wait a minute i'm getting out of balance Let me readjust, reevaluate what I'm doing and, you know, adjust some things. And then, you know, you just kind of go back and forth and it's a constant thing. It's not like, oh, I have it perfect this time and it's going to stay that way forever. Right. Because we're constantly growing. We're constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So. They're I really seasons. appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, they're seasons.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like also um, you're exactly right. Balance is a lifelong process. And so I wonder for you, because you are also someone who does many things, how do you know when you're starting to tip into the, the non balanced realm? Like, what are some signals for you? And then what do
0: you do to get back to where you feel balanced? Oh, wow. Signals. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Like I would have had the same answer that you did. Like, <laughs> Cause really I was asking that question for myself now. Like, how do you stay balanced? I think it's, it's things that are really important to you that you don't do as often or as much as you used to. So I mm-hmm. think it's really figuring out what are those key things that you know that you want to do on a regular basis that really make you feel good. Like you have to pay attention to the things that you, and you mentioned this before, is that you really, really feel good when I do these specific things. Mm-hmm. And and if you know those things, and it might just be a handful of, of things that you have, and you stop doing those things i think that's when you're out of balance so like for me it could be just walking in nature like i i usually walk at at in a park you know or something like that or run or whatever and if i stop doing that and i'm like i i don't even notice cuz i'm working so much <laughs> and then i'm like oh wait like something is off like something is just not working and i'm like oh i forgot I'm not doing this or I'm not eating the right way or I'm not, I'm, I feel like you, you have to be able to be self-aware and like in tune. Then even for me, if I'm not out connecting with people a certain amount of time, like I can spend a lot of time like inside working, but if I'm not out connecting with people, I feel like something's off and I'm like, well, this is what, I'm not doing right now that I need to go and I need to make time to do the specific thing. And even like meditating, like, oh, I stopped meditating. Like you just, like, I don't know what happened. I just, you know, I don't do this. And so I need to go back to doing it. But I think it's because I realized that these are like the core things that I that make me feel good that I want to do. And then when I'm doing it less, I just kind of feel like, oh, something's off. And I go back and I say, Am I doing these things, these core things? Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you sort of
1: return to your body, which is quite kind of my experience. I was like, I have not cooked a meal for myself. (laughs) three weeks. That's probably (laughs) problematic considering that I care deeply about what I put in my body, who it's made by and how often I am doing it. So that's really, I feel like you're describing what I didn't articulate, but that's actually what happened to me as I was realizing that I hadn't done things that I not only love to do, but that actually make me a healthier person. And so I was like, oh, I've been abandoning my body in service of this work and not realizing that this work is also, I'm included in this. I am not in service to this work. I am part of the work that I'm doing. So if I'm not in my body. How can I encourage uh, support and other people to do so? Other people to do so.
0: Exactly. And how do you show up as your best self when you're serving, right? <laughs> like you can't mm-hmm. you can't show up as your best self if you're not doing those core things for you
1: yeah and like who wants a liberated world where we're all exhausted because it's actually not liberated if we're tired. You know, like, we're going to have the party during the revolution and be tired? Like, no. If we want to like, take, a, take nap, a nap, we could, like, let's take the nap so that the revolution could be energized and we could enjoy it. Like, for me, I'm so radical because I'm like, I just want us to be able to have fun and do what we want to do and look good and dance and eat well. Like, to me, luxury is everyone having access to high-quality, well-made, handcrafted, artisanal, unique products and organically grown, regionally grown fruits, vegetables, and food that's good. It's like, I believe that luxury is a human right actually. And so if we are tired and exhausted, we are not going to be able to enjoy the luxurious life that we're trying to create with the revolution. Like we can't create it if we're tired and abandoning ourselves, because it starts within ourselves. So we have to be at home in ourselves in order to transform the world, because the world is dependent on us abandoning ourselves, not valuing ourselves and being so tired that we can't even fight. So it's like, for me, I'm really having a moral conflict because I believe deeply in these things. But I feel like I'm in a moment where I'm not practicing them because I'm, I'm, having the sense that i'm making more impact but it's like to what end you know so i appreciate the question and and you answering as well
0: yeah being so tired that you can't even fight <laughs> and we need everyone in this fight we need everybody to be able to make yep. an impact and from physical or even mental exhaustion like this is why what we're talking about right now is so important because we need everyone. We need everyone with fresh ideals to um, you know, do what only you can do in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like plural, right? There are many solutions, there are many problems, there are many complex systems. So every single person and every single industry and every single part of the world has some solution, idea, contribution that they need to give. It doesn't work if it's only a few people. That's the system we have now. Only a few people poured the wealth. We know that liberation is inherently collective. I believe that freedom can be individual. The liberation is collective. So it it has to be
0: an everyone thing. Absolutely. There's something else that I did want to ask you about the Black Material Geographies podcast. I would love to know kind of the why behind that and the what, <laughs> like the details of, of what you kind of cover in that podcast.
1: Yes, yeah, so Black Material Geographie's podcast was a project I did in collaboration with whetstone Media, which was founded by Stephen Satterfield, who was um the host of High on the Hog, the Netflix show. Stephen and I met some years ago. We had a mutual client, Fibershed who I mentioned earlier that I consult to, and he was in this process of trying to create a podcast network, and he was like, "Hey, Teju." we're trying to get people to connect food and fiber. We want to start thinking more about sustainable organic textiles. Can you do a show just talking about the things you already talk about? And I was like, no, like people (laughs) don't really want to hear me talk about how my brain works and how I'm connecting all these things that people think are separate. And he was like, but you kind of do that already in your work. So you would just be doing it Into a microphone. Um, And so eventually I was like, you know what, you're right. Yeah, I am an educator. It's something that I tend to not say because my parents were educators. And I was like, I don't want to be like them. I'm different, but we become who we become. Um, And so essentially, Whetstone was like, just do what you do. And I had the opportunity to construct a show that went through the way that I think about alternative economic systems our relationship to the environment as humans and particularly as black humans and why I believe that centering the experience of people of the African descent is the best way to think about futures that are more sustainable because we have been in a world for hundreds of years where they are trying to destroy us and kill us and we are still here and we still survive and we still innovate. So if anyone knows how to be sustainable over generations. It is literally black and indigenous humans because we have still survived despite attempts to kill us all of the time. So black material geographies talks about what material culture is, what fiber textiles are, how they're connected to our environment and the different ways that black humans across the diaspora interact with our environment and specifically fibers, textiles, fashion, and their understanding of sustainability. So I talked to upcycling designers. I talked to my dad, who's an anthropologist studying pre-colonial West Africa. I talked to a Kenyan artist who does art with indigenous Central African textiles. I talked to um, Tamika Peoples of Seed to Shirt, which is a vertically integrated uh, organic cotton shirt apparel line produced through an all-Black supply chain in Africa and the United States. Um, I talked to Jonathan Corey, who is Haitian, about secondhand clothing in Haiti and how that's part of a colonial and imperialist legacy. So I'm really connecting all of the different Topics, themes, issues, systems that have informed my thinking, my work, and what I think is um, what I think are some of the solutions that are going to allow us to continue to be living on Earth as humans with other species. So it's pretty wide ranging. It is only ten episodes. Each episode is about thirty minutes, and there are different topics ranging from pre-colonial material
0: culture um, to circular fiber systems. That's amazing. I will definitely (laughs) take a listen for that. You mentioned the connection between food and fiber. Can you go a little bit into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is natural that food crops and fiber crops grow together. In um, ancient West Africa, folks were growing yams and types of rice along with cotton perennially. Um, We know that growing different types of crops together is better for biodiversity. It's better for soil health. And one of the main things that plantation slavery and colonialism did was uh, standardize this idea of monoculture, meaning that you plant one crop, in mass, after having cleared the land, getting rid of all the biodiversity, you plant as much as possible and you try to harvest as much as possible as often as possible. So, completely disregarding the natural state of things and really focused on how much yield you can produce of something in a uniform way. So, some people don't know that there are like tons of varieties of naturally colored cotton brown blues but most of us think of cotton as white because during plantation slavery they decided to breed one to two specific types of cotton that were white and that were uniform and that completely disrupted the biodiversity the ecological systems created unhealthy soil so um historically the best way to keep soil healthy the best way to keep at uh, ecological systems healthy is to grow food and fiber together because ultimately they're um, both plant crops and even in the case of animal fibers, um, animals grazing in a regenerative way supports the growth of food crops. So actually these systems have been working in together and we separated them for the purpose of mass profit and extraction, but bringing them back together um, is one way we can repair our relationship to the earth, but also um, repair some of the damage that has happened to the earth as a result of monoculture um, being seen as the best way to
0: do things. We could probably do a whole episode on that. (laughs) specifically yeah <laughs> tell me more about because you mentioned this a few times about alternate alternative economics and what is the importance of that and how do we implement that or or what is it like what is your ideal of alternative economics
1: hmm The other conversation that I feel like Black uh, people need to have within ourselves is why we feel so attached to capitalism when capitalism does not support us in any way, shape, or form, why we're trying to win at something that uh, is specifically designed for us not to win at. So I don't believe that capitalism is the best, most efficient, or most innovative economic structure. And what I will say is that part of what capitalism has done is make us imagine that there's nothing beyond that, or we can't do anything differently. But really, capitalism is a couple of hundred years old. So there were thousands of years when there were multiple plural types of economic systems. Some of those systems are based in currency some of them were based in other types of trade. So there are many economic models. There is not one economy. I think that's the first thing that's really important for me to have people understand is that it's not that there is one economy and this is the only economy. It's that there's many types of economic models. The other thing that I want people to understand and what I work to try to build is how can we create economic models where we retain the value, where the value is circulated within the community who is producing it and using it and where that value stays with the community almost as long as possible. Um, There's several statistics about how in Chinese American communities, for example, the dollar circulates around like, I don't know, a hundred times. I'm not sure the exact statistic before it goes out of the community. In the Black American community, the dollar circulates maybe only once before it goes out into a different economy. So I believe that um, economies at community scale, at regional scale, Are more effective, and that our economy should be based on what we need and what we want, and not based on producing as much profit as possible. What capitalism is based on is producing as much profit as possible, which is only able to happen when you exploit workers and when you extract value from them. So you pay them one wage, and even if the company creates millions of dollars, they don't get any of that value back. And so, to me, that's not fair. That's not sustainable. So, how do we create models where we can retain a lot of that value? We where where we're distributing some of that wealth, um, and where we're not focused on making profit at any by any means necessary. Like I don't believe that profit should be central in an economy. I believe that people and our needs and our relationships to each other should be centered and cared for in economies. So, part of the idea with Co ops, for example, with land trusts, for example, um, with susus and mandalas and mutual aid, is that the folks who use, consume, and live together uh, have their own economy that is supported and self sufficient within the areas that they live. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a global economy and be trading and selling across borders. The majority of what we need to live and to live well can happen within the communities that we care about that
0: we're invested in and that we're part of. And so do you believe that this is something that can happen at scale like globally?
1: Yes, but I believe it has to be decentralized. One of the main things that this iteration of capitalism does is it centralizes profit, power, and money with a few corporations and governments um and expects everyone to have the same model even when it's not culturally relevant or geographically specific so i believe that economies will look different in different places and different communities even the economy of oakland for example or even on a neighborhood scale west oakland may look different than the economy of south central la and they should because they have different people different needs different environments different climates Different demographics. So, I believe in decentralized, smaller economies rather than this idea of one large economy that is benefiting almost exclusively corporations and wealthy Western governments. So, yeah, I believe in small ripple effects across the planet that are geographically specific, culturally relevant, and
0: scaled to the community or regional level. I don't even have to ask. I think. Anyone that's listening can kind of gather from this conversation how that specifically and a lot of the things that we talked about can impact, you know, our climate goals and can impact the climate crisis.
1: Absolutely. And one of the biggest issues that we don't talk about is that the scale of industries is the problem. It doesn't matter if every single human, if 9 billion humans were to recycle Every week, ExxonMobil, Chevron, Amazon, all of those places would still be contributing largely to the climate crisis. So, this idea that individual actions are as powerful or even more important than corporate descaling. I simply don't agree with it's just not true. Over 80% of emissions are um, because of big, large corporations and industries. And that's one of the reasons why the Fibers Fund supports small businesses and businesses working at the root of the soil, because they're able to be more sustainable just because their scale is smaller. So I do believe this idea of infinite growth is what's the most unsustainable. And these big corporations, they have to exploit workers in the land to exist at that scale. So to me, that's actually the problem.
0: Yeah. And that's fact, like that's not opinion at all. (laughs) That is, I mean, we know where the carbon emissions come from. We know what companies they come from. So it is about that scale. I mean, we talk about fast fashion, it's about scale. And I I tell people a lot that I don't, I mean, honestly, like if you're buying from the, I don't think the smaller designer has to be perfectly sustainable. If you're buying from that designer, you're already doing a huge um, service to, Absolutely. The, to climate and people. Absolutely. You talked about social, social issues too. You're doing a huge service because. You're not participating in this fast fashion, the scale, the companies that do this at scale that are, that are largely um, impacting the environment and impacting people because we never want to leave out that it's not just about the earth. It's about people. It's about the injustices that are happening every day to people in order for, um, in order for these large companies to produce so much.
1: In order for you to have a crop top from Shein, because they're <laughs> producing 300,000 crop tops. Do we really need 300,000 crop tops that all look the same?
0: Like, we don't. We really don't. Yeah, we don't. And a lot of them don't even get worn anyway. <laughs> they just go. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And, and
1: fast fashion. But We talk about fast fashion, but let's be real. A lot of luxury products are also now made in China. They are right. also now right. made in Southeast Asia. So we, and also the reason why we have fast fashion is because people can't afford luxury. So fast fashion is a direct result and consequence of the inaccessibility of luxury. So I would encourage us to not just say fast fashion, to say all fashion, because it is an industry that, that works in tandem with this scarcity, right? Like luxury luxury produces what we call trends and fast fashion makes the trends accessible so if luxury is producing things that are inaccessible then of course you need a model to make them accessible and both of those models work to exploit people and exploit the earth
0: yeah and that kind of goes back to what you were mentioning mentioning in the beginning about luxury like everyone deserves that and if we go back to this economic model where we are growing our food, we are growing our fibers, and we are creating clothing that is beautiful, that is quality, that is made out of these regenerative fibers, then it's probably even better than some of the luxury things out there because like you mentioned, even the luxury items, like a lot of it's made out of polyester. Too, you know, like that plasticy
1: leather. Some of those Telfar bags, I'm like, y'all. I know we love Queen B, but that is straight plastic. That is not high quality.
0: Yeah, it's changed over the past 20 years (laughs) that you spend so much money. It's like this is not even a. This is not even leather. This is not even like. Yeah. This is not even.
1: And they have two names: vegan leather, faux leather. It sounds cute, but I'm like, no, it's plastic. Yeah. Whole nother episode. Exactly. <laughs> about
0: I feel like how everything is classic.
1: We honestly need a we forum. Do. I would love to just like have a three-day forum with black women to just talk through these things. To just talk through these things.
0: Okay. You you said it. We should definitely do it. Yeah. Any funders out there that want to give us money to do this? Yes. Please. Let's talk about it. Okay. <laughs> one more thing. This conversation is so good. So tell me about the Black Textiles Directory.
1: Yes. So I am in the process of building a black fiber and textile network uh, globally of folks of African descent that are working in producing, manufacturing, farming, designers, using natural materials, sustainable practices, regenerative practices, and hoping to create really an ecological economic ecosystem where can we produce Some of the materials that we need, some of the products, clothing, textiles that we need within an all black supply network collaborating with each other, supporting each other, and also gaining access to some of the resources and financial support that this burgeoning industry of sustainable fashion is producing. Because I'm in a lot of these spaces of regenerative fiber, sustainable textiles, and it's mostly white people. And there are these grants and there's funding, and it's not actually getting to our people. And because of the way our current mainstream economy is, it's expensive to have a sustainable supply chain. It's expensive to source regenerative fiber. It's expensive to get organic certification. So can we create a network, an ecosystem where we are sharing resources, collaborating, building skills, um, and building new types of economic models for fashion and textiles and really reclaiming our value and being innovators. Um, So it's starting with the directory, which is just showing some of the businesses that I have built relationships with that I know that are working in this space. And I hope to grow the platform, to have a membership portal, to actually eventually make it a global membership co-op where we can distribute financial resources to each other. We can facilitate um, creating products together, and we can also give larger brands and corporations an opportunity to equitably source from Black, sustainable, regeneratively made businesses.
0: Wow. So how do people get involved with that?
1: Hit me up. Uh, Send me an email. (laughs) Send me a DM. Go to my website. I am... Currently, trying to build this, I want it to be global, which means I need people who speak different languages. I need regional coordinators. I need to hear from folks about what they need, what they want. Um, I need to know what the best way is to incorporate folks outside of the U.S. who can't access some of the resources here financially that we have access to. So I'm hoping, um, no, I'm affirming that in 2024, I am going to get funding to do more of a landscape analysis, bring in some collaborators and really start creating the foundation and the groundwork for this network, because as an independent consultant, I'm often giving my ideas to institutions and companies and organizations, but I'm not actually building upon the relationships that really give me life, such as with Black designers and Black farmers and folks in the cannabis space who want to use hemp to create products and folks who are plant and medicine healers who want access to regeneratively grown root plants or whatever. So I'm trying to practice what I preach and not only retain my value, but share that value with others who I feel like
0: have created value in this space for me. Love it. So how can people get in touch with you just in general or just follow everything that you're doing?
1: I would say the best way is my website, which is my name, tejuadisaferrar.com. You could send me an email. I am also on Instagram at Miss Tej, M I S S T E J. You could DM me there. Yeah, just hit me up. I love chatting with people, hearing what people are talking about, creating connections, creating relationships. So find me on the internet and let's connect in real life. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Well, it's been uh, so great to have you on such a great conversation. And we did say we're going to do a three day forum (laughs) in the future. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we'll definitely have to keep in touch um, and get updates and maybe even dive deeper into some of these uh, conversations that we touched on.
1: Yes, I would love to. And thank you for having me. And thank you for this podcast. There's people that I love and admire who you have interviewed. And I feel like these types of platforms are what is necessary to sort of change the narrative and get people thinking about some of these topics more deeply.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Fashion Futurist podcast. Let's take back fashion together. Like, subscribe, and share as these small actions help to spread the word and make a collaborative impact. For more ways to get involved, join me, Camila Sanders, in the Fashion Futurist community by visiting fashionfuturist.io. Let's take action and accelerate fashion forward. <laughs>